Hey, Alpaca Pals. As you know, we're on break as we planned season five of the show, but we wanted to pop back into your feed with a special bonus episode for you. With summer ramping up in the Northern Hemisphere, lots of you, I'm sure, are about to head out on some fun adventures. So we thought that now would be a good time to chat about travel insurance. Listen, I know talking about travel insurance does not sound fun at all, but it's a really important topic for travelers. So today I'm chatting with Christina Tana. Christina has been in the travel industry since 2005. In 2009, she took the plunge into insurance and joined World Nomads, where she is now the GM of the Americas. She has tons of experience and knowledge, and so she's gonna walk us through the nitty gritty of travel insurance. But before we dive in, I want to share what travel insurance is exactly. Travel insurance provides support, compensation, and medical care when things go wrong while on a trip, i.e. if you get bit by a cat in a foreign country. (laughs) Depending on your policy, it can provide support and compensation if your luggage is lost, if you slip and break a bone, or if you need to return home due to an emergency in the family. Basically, it's a financial safety net for your valuables and for emergencies. All right, now that we know the basics, let's talk travel insurance. I'm really excited to talk about this because I've been in the travel space now for like 10 years and the amount of times I run into people either on my travels or like hear about stories through forums about people who didn't get travel insurance and now they're like in a nightmare situation is unbelievable. Like I never realized how many people, A, don't even think to get travel insurance or B, just assume like it's not worth it or that they won't need it. Like I don't think people realize even like the tiniest little accident could require it. So anyways, I thank you to my dad. When I started traveling, he was like, Aaron, you got to get travel insurance. And I've always done it since. <laughs> I like your dad. He he gets World Nomads as well. No um, kidding. We're actually That's a World great. Nomads family. So yeah, we're going to talk about insurance today and talk about why it's so important for all travelers to make that little investment ahead of a trip, um, just to make sure they're covered in any and all situations. So, Christina, in your mind, why buy travel insurance? Well, you know, it's like any risk. You don't know what's going to happen. I think people look at travel insurance as something that adds no value. However, yet they're familiar with house insurance or car insurance. So, you know, the concept isn't entirely new, but for some reason, they think that when you're on vacation, nothing bad will ever happen to you. But it, as, as our business is testament to, that, that is so far from the truth that things can go bad even when you're on vacation. And in fact, there have been some studies that show that when you're on vacation mode, your actual brain operates differently. There's different parts of your brain that just function and your alert side of your brain turn off, right? And so that's when stuff can happen. But I think what's also really important is understanding what kind of insurance you should get. And I think that's also a a murky part for travelers, especially in the last couple of years since COVID broke out, that people just really lacked an understanding of what insurance actually is for. And first off, I'll just say there's no such thing as a standard insurance plan. Travel insurance 
covers three things very broadly. It covers your investment. So I always point to my pocket for that illustration. It covers you for injury to yourself. So it covers you, your health. And the third part that it covers is your stuff. So those are the three broad things that an insurance policy would cover or should cover. And policy wording is boring. I get it. But please, please go to, if I could buy everybody a cup of coffee when they buy a policy so that they could read it while they drink the coffee, I would love to figure out how to do that because it's, it is important to read it. This is what my father is good for as well. I would always send him the policy and say, dad, can you review this for me? <laughs> That's cheating. I know, I know. Now, now I've gotten older and now it's my responsibility, but I learned from the best, thankfully. <laughs> I found what you said about the study really interesting because like in my experience as a traveler, I noticed I definitely take more risks when I travel than when I'm at home. And I end up doing things that like I'm not going to do at home in Toronto. Like I'll be ziplining through forest in Costa Rica. That's just not something I often find myself doing at home. And so in that sense, like it's so important to think about travel insurance because you're putting yourself in situations where it's like even more warranted. Yeah, you're very much in you only live once mode, which I think is great. But yeah, you're right. Come with that comes decisions that you make when you're um, when you're traveling, and yeah, just additional exposure you put yourself into. So you talked about these three sort of main types of insurance that travelers should think about. How would you say someone can figure out what is best for them in their travel plans? Like, do you have any tips for deciding that? Well, yeah, I mean, it, it just really, it comes down to think about those what if scenarios and play them across those three broad categories. What happens if I get sick in destination X? And just imagine what what would you feel if you were alone, if you're a solo traveler? Uh, what would you feel if you got sick and you're traveling with a, a partner or a companion and they had to deal with, with the event? Um, and how would you feel if you were traveling with a, a broader group? How would you feel if something went wrong or you got sick? And just play it through those three things. You know, what if I get sick? What if I lost my tech? What if I got robbed? Uh, what if I got assaulted or or what if um, my trip canceled or what if there was a natural disaster or something that impacted my ability to continue traveling and I lost out on that $800 ticket? Keep in mind, things are more expensive now. I think COVID plus inflation plus macroeconomic plus war plus civil unrest, all these things are pig piling in to make travel more expensive there are supply chain shortages. There are doctors and nurses leaving the, ind the, the healthcare industry in droves globally. Pilots have retired. Uh, so there's just a lot of things that are conspiring to make your experience before you go on your trip. Uh, airplane routes and schedules have been consolidated. There's more delays. And actually, because of inflation and fuel costs, the price of your ticket has gone up. So people are investing more in just doing the same trip that they might have done three years ago. So maybe that's a factor of, oh, I don't want to lose out on that. What if it's now $1,600, which they actually are to go to London. I just looked into it for my own trip home. Mm -hmm. So that's a lot of money to be out of pocket. Yeah, absolutely. And I've also noticed just in traveling myself in the last few months that much more is going wrong, like just getting from point A to point B, the flight cancellations, there's just a lot more complication involved in travel now. And so, yeah, another reason that insurance is so important. So our alpaca pals know by now that I've faced my fair share of travel disasters from 
getting bitten by cats abroad to having unexpected allergic reactions. These are just some of the moments in which I have relied on insurance while traveling. What are some of the more like common situations that you find travelers end up facing when traveling? Well, for the U.S., it's going to vary world, around the world. You know, this is this is a bit of a giggle that goes around um, in the industry that you know, for some reason Australians can't ski. So as soon as they hit a snow <laughs> slope, it's all the skiing accidents that you. Know, it's like, what is it with Australians? They can't ski. But we we find that especially with our North American uh, U.S. in particular, it's it's a lot of funky medical stuff that happens when they're either surfing, you know, adventure activity related kind of incidences. Uh, Canadians tend to be more about other different types of medical, broken limbs. Somehow, I don't know what they're doing that they're getting broken limbs. Uh, universally, actually, um, altitude sickness, right? So we have a lot of oh, our nomads. Yeah. Yep, they're going, they're doing the, you know, the Annapurna circuit and, or other high altitude places in Peru, and they get altitude sickness. So we see a lot of those, actually. Yeah, actually, I have um, backpacked around Nepal, and I heard on the regular about people being evacuated, like by helicopter out of high altitude locations because they were suffering altitude sickness. Yes. Yeah, that's that's a common one. And then there's stuff that is more high frequency, but low severity. So, you know, pickpockets or, or baggage theft type of stuff, which is pretty universal around the world as well, but not as galvanizing or dramatic. But they're dramatic for the person at the time that they're dealing with it, for sure. Definitely. Like I mentioned before, I've been in a lot of travel forums over the years, and I often notice people bringing up what I would call misconceptions about travel insurance. The main one I would say that I see is that it's financially inaccessible. And I find this one interesting because obviously travel itself is expensive. So I understand that like following investing in a trip, someone doesn't want to then spend more money on insurance. I guess my personal take is if you can afford to travel, you can afford to invest some money in insurance. (laughs) And in the scope of the total cost of a trip, like in my experience, insurance is one of the least expensive aspects. I'm sure this like depends on what you're insuring yourself for. But in my experience, like it has never felt like a huge ticket add on. What are your thoughts on that misconception? And are there others that you'd like to address? Yeah, look, I think the thing with insurance is it is a contract between yourself as the insured and the insurer. It is actually a legal contract. And that type of contract is actually what's called uh, the specific type for insurance. It's called aleatory. I won't get too much into the into the weeds of what that means other than to say what that means is that there is an unequal transfer of value between these two parties. So for example, you'll get insurance and you'll spend maybe $100, $120, let's say, for your plan for a few weeks of travel. And if something happened to you and you needed medical attention or you needed a medical evacuation or you lost your tech... We will give you the value of the emergency assistance, the medical bills, and quite possibly your flight to come back home. Depending on how long you are in the hospital, we will fly a companion to be at your bedside, right? All of this could add up to well over $50,000, $200,000, depending on the severity of, of what's happening. When people say they can't afford it or they don't want to pay for it and they don't see the value of it, I think that that's... um, Um, kind of a fool's folly in terms of, you know, you would never dream of not insuring your car or your house. 
Yeah, it's something you don't think you need until you do. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) And I can speak from personal experience. Um, The last time I worked with World Nomads, I had an allergic reaction in Australia. I was in the hospital for two days. I received a bill that was well over $2,000. And I think I'd spent on the insurance. I, I was traveling for several months. I remember it being like less than $500 in total that I'd spent on the insurance. And just from that one incident, it was very, very worth it. And, you know, I had gotten back from that trip with no job, living with my parents. I was in a position where I absolutely could not afford to pay that hospital bill. So that was a moment in which it was like very, very worth the investment. No, absolutely. And in the grand scheme, you you want to just make, you know, how much is your life worth? How much is your stuff worth? And how much is your investment in your travel arrangements worth? And then I think when you really think about the percentage that that policy might represent as the overall value of what you're putting into this trip, I think people might very quickly realize, uh, oh, it's only 50 bucks or it's only 100 or it's 200. You know, most people are going, um, you know, for for two to four weeks, uh, long haul, even more so. If you're doing a long haul, long duration trip for about a year, get the insurance. <laughs> I mean, it's just protect yourself. It amortizes over the course of, of your stay as as really being, you know, at, at whatever dollars a day. Uh, when you do the math, I think people will realize, I'll, I'll take those, I'll take those chances. I'll take those odds. I think a couple of other things that people are misconceiving about insurance, and it breaks my heart to, to say this, but it's true. People think that there is an intention to load a policy wording with all kinds of legalese to confuse people. The intention isn't to confuse people and sort of put smoke in mirrors. It's just the legal aspects of what has to be there because there's a lot of open interpretation to what something could be. And so insurers have to be very precise about what is and isn't covered. So there's precision in it. And there are companies, uh, World Nomads included, who really go through great pains to put the policy wording and anything in the purchase path in as plain English as possible. I mean, we have staff of people who are really dedicated to parsing it out. And our sort of gold standard for how we want to do it is to say, imagine you're sitting at the kitchen table with your mom or your mate. And you're trying to explain what something is. That's the goal for how we want to be able to articulate what the insurance coverages are. I think the other thing that is difficult to to convey to people is another another intention that our intention is to deny as many claims as possible. <laughs> and in fact, it's the other way around. Our intention is to pay as many claims as we can if the documentation and the proof of loss is there. I hear these, I see these reviews and hear people say, oh, you always go back and ask for something else or you need something else. You're just trying to deny the claim. Actually, no, there's just as much inspection by the regulators if they look at what you're paying out and see that you're paying too many claims, right? It's like, so the regulators are really a, a big part of this of this lens by which claims are processed and adjudicated, but that we're, that we're, our intention is to deny claims. That That's so not true. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's good to know. <laughs> and, and the one thing that is super important for travelers that I think they also don't understand is that they'd be covered for everything and anything, right? Things like loss of enjoyment, you know, oh, my cruise down the Danube, I had to go on land because the river was flooding. Therefore, I'm going to make a claim. Well, we don't, we don't pay out on loss of enjoyment. I left my bag on a train platform and I ran to get a cup of tea before uh, the train arrived and my bag was gone. 
uh, very crudely, we don't cover stupid, right? If you if you have not exercised your commitment as part of your contract to mind and protect your stuff, we get that a lot with phones left in taxis, you know. And the other one too is uh, you could be injured walking home. You sprained your ankle or you sort of tripped over a precipice and you were drinking. Oh. Not covered. You are not covered if you are under the influence. Really? I didn't know that. You were not covered. You did not take precautions to protect yourself. Even if it's legal, it's not about it being legal or not. It's about that you did not do your bit to fulfill your good faith of not putting yourself in harm's way. Okay, those are some hot tips. Those are good to keep in mind. Especially the receipt Mm. tip. I travel with a lot of camera equipment, and this is something I learned the hard way to always keep the receipts for those things because you need to be able to prove. Absolutely. And also, you're, you know, you would look at a policy quite differently. You would want to understand what are the sublimits, right? Because there could be coverage for up to, let's say, $3,000, but any one item, the maximum could be five hundred. dollars right? So you're going to look at a policy and go, oh, that doesn't work for me. I need to find something that's a little bit more ample. Christina, I was really excited to chat with you about this idea that while travel insurance is definitely meant to protect us as individual travelers, it can also play a really important role in protecting the communities we visit. We talk about social responsibility when we travel a lot on the show. So I wanted you to maybe share a bit about your thoughts on this dynamic. And if you have an example, that would also be awesome. Uh, Thank you for the question because, and I know people are thinking, oh, you're just figuring out a way to make it about responsible travel. But it actually is something that you don't want to be a drain on local communities when you travel somewhere, especially during COVID. And even now, as I mentioned earlier about hospital systems and uh, staffing being very much a strain globally, uh, the last thing you want to do is be a strain on that particular uh, healthcare system and be a burden to them is when they're already overwhelmed and or short-staffed. So imagine you with your food poisoning or with you know whatever might happen to you, you took a bed and there are not enough beds for the local host community. And that local person cannot get their procedure, whether it be scheduled or emergency, they can't get in to get that taken care of because you're sitting in that bed. Whereas if you had insurance, there's the possibility that if you needed to be repatriated or sent to a different facility, insurance could have made that happen. And you are not burdening or blocking someone in that local community from also having that access to that healthcare. So I think that that's at its most fundamental level, why insurance matters for the topic of of sustainable and and respectful travel to local communities. It's just a responsible thing to do. This is something that came up the other day, actually. The burden that you put on uh, guides. And true story, this was shared this last weekend on a trade show. There was um, a group doing a trip in Death Valley. They were quite remote, as it happens. And one of the persons on the group got COVID. They were traveling with another person. 
And so they had to isolate and remove, get removed from the rest of the, of the group. And they basically couldn't continue their trip. So there was this quandary of, well, you can't expect the rest of the group to not continue with their travel. So what, what happened in that case? The tour guide had to drive with the companion who was not positive, drive to the nearest car rental, which in this case was Las Vegas, several hours oh away. Gosh. And get a second car so that the second so that the companion could then drive with the COVID positive per- companion and get themselves onto their next leg of whatever they needed to do to solve their problem. So that came at the expense of the guide who doesn't get paid for that extra time. He didn't sleep and he had to carry on with the trip the following morning at 8 a.m. Oh my gosh. You know, it's funny you bring that story up because I actually think that the pandemic has made it like even more important than ever to invest in travel insurance because it's just another layer of something that can go wrong. And there's actually like quite a high likelihood of it, unfortunately. So I actually wanted to ask you, how do you think COVID-19 has impacted the way travelers are approaching insurance? Have you seen an increase in people looking to invest in it? Absolutely. We're seeing even with some of our search data on our actual site, the search data, they're looking for what if I get COVID? What if I have to quarantine, right? The nature of the questions is very telling. So it has absolutely triggered a revision of of how insurers in general will add or amplify coverages and benefits to help cover the eventuality of a COVID-related event. In the U.S., we always were able to cover sickness from COVID and what a sickness meant for you in terms of canceling your trip, et cetera. But there are other coverages that some operators, some insurers cover, and that's uh, cancel for any reason, CFAR, which at the beginning of COVID was a massive blow to these insurers who did offer these CFAR plans, cancel for any reason plans, because they made a lot of claims. So they actually tended to shut down and not offer that product anymore. So because of that, whether you had covered it in some degree or you or you covered it in the first place and you had to shut it down because the claims were through the roof, all insurers are making sure that they're thinking through what are the kinds of coverages we need to make sure we're including in our travel insurance. And COVID has ripped the Band-Aid off of all things insurance. And I think people have also previously who have poo-pooed it. Um, as too expensive or oh, it's not worth it or, or put it into, oh, it's too complicated. I don't want to deal with insurance or reading a policy or now actually have a much uh, more honed focus on it. I think it's causing people to read their policies because <laughs> they're like, wait a minute, you cover me if I'm sick, but you don't cover it if the operator's guide gets COVID and has to cancel the trip, yeah. right? There's yeah. all these different scenarios of what is COVID coverage. And I think people have to be really careful about what is it they want out of COVID coverage? What does that mean? And again, run through scenarios of a, a COVID-related event and what's important to you. Kind of points to another myth that that if it if COVID is covered, people think that my trip got canceled because the operator canceled it because the guide got COVID. Therefore, insurance will cover that. That's actually in most cases not true. People have to go after the operator for any kind of uh, refunds or out of pocket loss that they've experienced because the operators are the ones with your money and they cancel the trip. Yeah, it's become much more complicated. Much more complicated. And I think, and it's tangential to this, but I think fear of traveling because of COVID is something that a CFAR plan might cover. You have to, again, be, they even have limitations too, even though the product says 
cancel for any reason. It's actually not necessarily the case. You have to look at some of the the guardrails that these CFAR plans have in place. But, you know, mental anxiety is is part of it. People are very nervous about traveling. Um, And so it's important to make sure that people are kind of thinking about what do I need in those instances? If I have an episode or an event that is um, galvanizing to me while I'm traveling. Absolutely. I even speaking from my own experience, like travel has been much more anxious just because, especially with COVID, there's just so much more than that can go wrong. And so you have to factor that into your your mental space, which is it's hard. It's hard. Very hard. So I know you and other folks at World Nomads believe that as travelers, we have a responsibility to give back. Um, I heard that World Nomads has some initiatives that are going on. Could you tell us like a little bit about what World Nomads is up to? Uh, this is the happy place of, of where I think is the, the, the gem in the World Nomads crown. It's the Footprints Network and the Footprints Program. And it came about... Uh, the, the tsunami, which I think took place 2004 Christmas time. It was the Christmas of 2004 uh, and New Year. And of course, we had a lot of Australian travelers who were insured with world nomads uh, who perished, unfortunately. Um, but it just made us really think about how do we bring together the community and the goodwill and the intention of all the people who work at World Nomads to try and make a difference to the communities that were absolutely devastated by the tsunami. So Footprints was the idea. And what it was is, you know, World Nomads is founded by a bunch of tech nerds. So they were very quickly able to figure out how to how to solve this problem. They built the entire platform that enabled the traveler as they go through the purchase path. It gets merchandise and we give them the option and ask them, would you like to donate a dollar, two dollars, up to ten dollars to a specific project and we put there the pro- the partners that we have uh, partnered with over the years it has changed and evolved um but the traveler gets to kind of look at all the different projects you know they click and see if they want to get more information about is it about uh water and sanitation is it about food security in the tourist straits is it about uh women's health in in Indonesia right there's all different kinds of projects that we fund and align ourselves with with NGOs and they can say, yeah, I like I like that one. I remember my trip to Indonesia. So yes, I'd like to give my $2 to Indonesia, even though they're getting insurance for a completely different destination. It doesn't matter. Their dollars go into the pot, 100% of it. There's no deduction for admin or anything like that. Um, and then once that fund or that program gets fully funded, they are discrete projects. It's not a forever pot that, you, that you're donating to. It's very specific where the money is going to go. Uh, once that project funds, we turn that project off. We give the NGO the money. They go off and do the project. They come back to us when the project has been executed. Could be a year, sometimes two years after the fact. Uh, and then we then share with everybody who donated to that project how their $2, $5, $10 made a difference. And the feedback we've gotten from travelers to sort of uh, you know, basically be reminded of, oh gosh, that's right. I gave some money to that project. Oh my gosh, I'm so glad that it did this, that had this impact. So there's a nice full circle there that we bring the traveler on the journey of how they were able to make a difference. And that's been in operation since uh, 2005 when we were able to build the platform right after the tsunami. To date, what's that, uh, 17 years later, we've funded something in the order of 
250 projects, I believe, since then. Um, and so when you think about every traveler giving $2, that, that's actually a lot of travelers who, who really care. It's a beautiful, beautiful program. And when you see some of the films that we've captured telling the story of how these projects have impacted these communities, unfortunately, we can't film all of them, but we've filmed a few of them. It's really very moving. It's really lovely. Yeah, I used to actually work in the nonprofit space, and it's easy to feel insignificant, especially if you don't feel you can donate a lot of money, but it's important to remember it does make a difference. It does make a difference, and we have quoted, I believe it's still on these pages, Anita Roddick, the founder of The Body Shop. She said something along the lines of, if you don't think something small can make a difference, try sleeping with a mosquito, something like that. I've butchered it, but you know, <laughs> yeah, you know. <laughs> it's so it's, true. I love it's that. It's impactful. <laughs> so to wrap up, I'm curious if you have any thoughts about the future of travel insurance, because as we've learned in the past two years, things can change very quickly, especially in the travel space. Is there anything in the future that you think we will see? Oh gosh, this is this is such a wonderful magic eight ball. I think some of the changes. Well, we're owned by a health uh, health insurance, and uh, we partner with also healthcare and wellness in Australia. So we're owned by a, a health insurer, and so I think about the wonderful world of the convergence of how health and wellness will merge with travel. And so I think about wonderful things like you know, altitude. You're 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 climbing um, mountain X. And uh, you're where have a wearable technology, and because you have a propensity maybe for um, certain uh, medical conditions at certain um, either heat or altitude or, or or cold temperatures, your wearable will tell you that you're in a danger zone. Right? Imagine a little alert that says you're going to get altitude sickness because we're reading the blood oxygen levels of you, and it'll know before you. And imagine that you can just go, oh, okay, I need to just lower myself. I need to get down, or I'm going to get heat stroke because my wearable technology tells me this. And it's in sync with your travel insurance, uh, emergency assistance, and you get a call that says, hey, are you okay? You were overheating. I mean, wow. imagine that world, right? Yeah. I mean, it's 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 uh, it's it's kind of exciting to think that that could possibly be the case. Um, or uh, what's the other one? Real time alerts, right? You're in a certain destination. Actually, this isn't too far off. Uh, you're in a certain destination. Your phone is is connected to a service that enables the system to tell you, hey, by the way, there is a protest four blocks from where you are. You know, walk the other direction, kind of thing. Or you get a phone call from somebody saying, hey, there's a protest about four blocks away from you. Uh, move away. Move this way. We'll stay with you until you're safe, kind of stuff. Or even things like NFTs, right? We talk about proof of ownership. Imagine if NFTs were used to show authenticity of ownership of especially high tech or high value items. And you use NFTs as part of the proof of, yep, yep, I was the original owner of that piece of tech based on how that's right. And so that helps with the claims process or video claims. You know, imagine being able to actually do a video claim, say, look, I lost this and you're showing pictures of the damage to your yeah. gear. Yeah, there's a lot of great stuff that I think about with, with where insurance can go and how it could benefit the traveler and Yep, climate change is a big factor. I think climate change could be a factor for the cost of insurance or the types of things that we could expect with more travel delays or uninhabitable destinations or where you're leaving from. So there's there's all kinds of other forces on how we price risk as well as what can benefit the traveler and keeping them safe. Well, Christina, this has been really awesome. 
Uh, before we let you go, can you let us know where people can find World Nomads? We are at worldnomads.com. Well, that's it for today, Alpaca Pals. If you're heading out on travels in the near future, please, please, please listen to me. Pretend I'm your dad. Just get the travel insurance and read your policy. Do as Christina says, read that policy, okay? We're on break again. We're going to share some fun episodes, though, in the next few months until we start the new season, season five, at the end of August. So until then, see ya. 